0: May only truth be spoken, and only truth received. Amen. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. The setting is Jerusalem, in the days leading up to the greatest of all of the Jewish feasts, the Passover. As John tells the story right on the heels of Jesus' entry into the city, riding on a donkey and heralded by the waving of the palm branches, a group of people identified only as Greeks ask if they might see him. Now these people might have been what are sometimes called God-fearers, Gentiles attracted to Judaism. Judaism. And to its practices, yet not fully converts. Or they might have been Jews from the diaspora, from the wider world, who had so long lived in the cities of the empire that they were culturally and linguistically more Greek now than they were Jewish. Whoever they are, they've seen those waving palm branches. They've heard some of the stories about this man, Jesus, and they'd like to get a closer look. John tells us that they approach Philip, and it might be interesting to note that Philip is, in fact, a Greek name. Philip turns to Andrew, also a Greek name, and together they approach Jesus with the request Well, if you were listening closely as that was read, you might have noticed, first of all, what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't immediately go to meet with these seekers, with these Greeks. Nor does he haul out the ancient world's version of an iPhone to book an appointment at a later time. Instead, he begins to speak with his disciples along lines that at least at first seem more than a bit of a tangent. Jesus answered them. Remember, this is right after he's received a request that some people would like to see him, to meet him. Jesus answered them, "'The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single grain.'" but if it dies, it bears much fruit. What in heaven's name does that have to do with the request of that group of Greek seekers? I mean, even if they were still kind of hovering in the background, seeing if they could get closer, and they overheard this response, wouldn't it have seemed as if they'd been basically just ignored? As the text progresses, Jesus' message is one of life and death, of following and of servanthood. It just continues and it deepens, all the while the question of the seekers left untouched. Do they ever get an answer? According to the New Testament scholar John Marsh, The reply of Jesus to the request for an interview was to the effect that the universality which he had come to restore to the temple, to the whole religion and life of God's people was not yet fully inaugurated, but waited upon his own death and resurrection. So he is answering, but indirectly, As John builds his narrative, the message seems to be that the Greeks will not be able to truly see Jesus until they see in the light of the resurrection. Prior to that, they might get a glimpse, a glimpse of a compelling teacher, but that view would be partial at best. Of course, That's also true for the Jews who draw close to see him, including the Jewish disciples. All of them have but a partial view. And the partial nature of their view helps to make some sense of what John tells us happens next in the narrative. Now my soul is troubled, Jesus says. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then, John tells us, a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. It's a pretty direct revelation of what's going on, right? I mean, a voice from heaven, you can't get much better than that. And if those Greeks are still hanging around on the margins, they must now have at least some of an answer to their request to see Jesus, right? Yet, John tells us that while the crowd standing there heard this voice, they didn't entirely get it. They didn't really hear it. They heard partially. Some said that they'd heard thunder, Others speculated that an angel has spoken to him. They see, or in this case, they hear only partially. And so Jesus then offers an interpretive word to the rolling of thunder that they thought they heard. Now is the judgment of this world, he says. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. The stakes are changing, such that the old ways of seeing are about to be overcome, and new possibilities about to be inaugurated. Jesus speaks of the ruler of this world as being driven out, which finally means that those things that keep us blind or caught in killing divisions, divisions between Jew and Gentile, for instance, will be overcome. And he finally speaks of how in his being lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. This is his answer, that the Greeks who had come and asked to see Jesus this is the answer they get, though perhaps not quite the one they'd been looking for. They'd come looking to schedule an appointment in his daytimer, a chance to have a good conversation, and to get a close look at this dynamic teacher from Galilee. What they got instead, and here the they includes not only the disciples and the others who originally received this teaching but also us, what we get is a proclamation that the old dividing lines are falling. He is drawing all people to himself. Will it make sense then that the lectionary also had us read that brief section from the epistle to the Hebrews, in which Jesus is proclaimed as the eternal high priest, The epistle to the Hebrews is essentially an extended theological reflection on how Jesus is the fulfillment of the whole of the Jewish tradition and as such is also the fulfillment of the hopes and aspirations of all of humanity the languages of his being, quote, designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, draws deeply on the Jewish tradition. Melchizedek is a somewhat shadowy figure from the deep tradition. He's identified as both the king of Salem and as priest of the most high God. And in Genesis 14, Melchizedek offers to Abram both a blessing and, rather provocatively, a meal of bread and wine. The interpretive traditions of both Judaism and Christianity have had a heyday with the figure of Melchizedek, speculating to his possible meanings and all of the rich symbolism connected with him. I'm not even going to begin to dig into all that has been kind of unpacked about this figure. Just note this. Melchizedek, though identified as a priest of the Most High God, is not a member of Abraham's line. He's not in any sense a Jew or an Israelite. Because at the point that he appears... All of that is yet a promise. Abraham and Sarah have not yet had their family begun the establishment of what would become the household of Israel. There's not yet an Israel, and yet somehow Melchizedek is said to be a priest, a high priest of Israel's God. There was never a time In other words, never a time when God wished anything but grace for the whole of the world. That's something we're still anticipating will come into its fullness. And in the meantime, like those who were standing around Jesus in John's gospel, we're still inclined to mistake the presence of God for mere thunder. In John's telling, we don't again hear of those Greeks who asked to see Jesus. The narrative rolls quickly ahead to the final meal that Jesus shares with his disciples at which he models servanthood for them by washing their feet. And then from there towards his being lifted up in his crucifixion. I'd like to think that maybe Jesus did take a few minutes to speak with them. After all, in the gospel tradition, he does keep making room for outsiders and other unlikely people. But at the very least, I'd like to think that those Greeks remained in Jerusalem over Passover, that they heard the rumors of how that death on the executioner's cross hadn't been the final word, and that they again maybe sought out Philip and asked again if they might see Jesus. This time, in resurrection light, they'd have the eyes to see. Amen.